You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Hello, I'm Willie George. Welcome to the Faith Roots Podcast. We're talking this month about the law of continuance. We've got five more lessons in this study. And so now I want to turn your attention to a little different element. It's something that Jesus talked about in the book of Luke, chapter 21, verse 29. And he spake to them a parable, behold the fig tree and all the trees, When they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer or harvest is now nigh at hand. So likewise you, when you see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Now, In this passage, near the end of his ministry, Jesus told his followers some things to watch for at the end of the age. And by the way, uh, the people who lived then during this time were not going to see this. He spoke it really for us. And he calls the end of the age the harvest. In a parable, Jesus said that the end of the age is when the harvest takes place. And think about that for a minute. Uh, There were never more than one billion people on the planet till sometime in the late 1800s, about 1870, they say, is about the time that we had one billion people on planet Earth. When I was a kid in elementary school, I distinctly remember in the early 1960s reading on our bulletin boards, we had little posters that were up there that said that the population of the Earth was three billion people. Now, that's in the early 60s. Now, here we are uh, 60 years later, and we have almost 7 billion, if not 7 billion, people living on planet Earth. Another thing that has happened, along with this great explosion of population, is we have the means to communicate with those people. Now, I remember when satellite television first came online back in the 60s, and they would beam up little excerpts from from around the world, and you would see a satellite report. Usually it was a news feed. It was typically not something entertaining because the quality was so poor. But the immediacy of the report was what everybody was after. We can look at things around the world right now. I, I, I marvel. I see guys on mountaintops climbing Everest and so forth with cameras showing you these places, and they look like they're just, you could reach out and touch them, and they're yet so in a his, inhospitable place. And so you see this, this reach around the world, and in a matter of hours, we can be just about anywhere on planet Earth. It, it's amazing to me that this has happened in my lifetime. I had friends. I didn't do it, but I had friends who went to Hawaii when they were kids, and their mother would put them on a boat. They never flew. They rode the boat to Hawaii and came back. And uh, today we wouldn't think so much about riding a boat or maybe a cruise ship, but, but most of us would fly. 
And it's amazing how much we have grown in knowledge and in the ability to travel, which is what the prophet Daniel prophesied or was told. And so here, Jesus is talking about the end of the age, and he said the signal for its beginning is the fig tree. When the fig tree shoots forth, reemerges, shows life again, that's what he's saying. When you see the fig tree shoot forth, you see and know that the harvest is very near. The summer is near. Not only did he say to watch the fig tree, but he said watch the other trees as well. And so who is the fig tree? What is the fig tree? Hosea 9.10 says, I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. I saw your fathers as the first ripe in the fig tree at her first time. You know, Israel was miraculously reborn against all odds in 1948. We've heard this so much, so much in the church. We've, there was a time when people heard it and they realized this is a miracle, but we've gotten used to it. We do not see it as the miracle anymore. We've just taken it for granted, but it is indeed a miracle. What about the other nations? There were numerous other nations born as well. Between 1945 and 1960, 36 new countries were created by the colonial powers giving independence to nations in Asia and in Africa. Most of Israel's neighbors got their independence within a few years either side of when they got their independence. Now, this is a remarkable thing. But the political independence of Israel in 1948 was not the beginning of Israel's reemergence on the world stage because the country itself was not fit for humans to live in great numbers. It was desolate. And this is what Mark Twain said. He was sent abroad. Uh, he wrote articles for a magazine, and he made all of them into a book. And it was, by the way, the single most popular book that he ever wrote. And his trip took place in 1867, so it's called Innocence Abroad. This is what he said about his trip to what was then called Palestine. He said, the further we went, the hotter the sun got, and the more rocky and bare, repulsive and dreary the landscape became. There was hardly a tree or a shrub anywhere. Even the olive and the cactus, those fast friends of a worthless soil, had almost deserted the country. He went on to write, Palestine is desolate and unlovely, and why should it be otherwise? Can the curse of the deity beautify a land? Palestine is no more of this workday world. It is sacred to poetry and tradition, but it's a dreamland. Wow. And he was accurate in his description. He, he said the, the land was empty, and he's talked about traveling great distances, not seeing a single soul. And so this idea that the Jewish people came in the 20th century and they drove out all of these uh, Arabs who were thriving and prospering, that's not true. It's not accurate. Great book that is called From Time Immemorial. If you want detailed documentation about how the land was brought back largely by the Jewish people and restored, uh, that's a book you ought to read. The first people to come 
were the farmers, and most of them came from Russia. They were poor. They were Jews from Russia. They were poor, and they needed help and funding. And what happened is several different Jewish societies bought land from the landlords who owned the country. That would be the Ottoman Turks. And the Ottoman Turks did not want a large Western population, but they tolerated some of these lowly peasant Jews coming back in to be farmers. They didn't see harm in that, and they saw an opportunity to make money. So they sold worthless pieces of land for ten times the value of what farmland would bring in other parts of the world. Uh, the whole of the Jezreel Valley was like a big, huge malarial swamp. And the reason is because the Turks were afraid of an invasion from Europe, so they dammed up all of the drainages there to create these swamps, and uh, there were mosquitoes, and malaria was rampant, and so they did this in order to thwart any group coming in. So these Jewish farmers came in, and they uh, began to drain the swamps and farm the land. Little by little, they began to take over, and they had to band together for production, or protection, rather, and uh, they, they formed these, uh, these cooperatives called kibbutzim. The kibbutz is a communal farm, and they did this all over the country. Now listen to what God says through the prophet Ezekiel 2,500 years before they did this. Ezekiel 36, 6, prophesy therefore concerning the land of Israel. We're not talking about the people, we're talking about the dirt. And say unto the mountains, and to the hills, to the rivers, to the valleys, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I have spoken in my jealousy and in my fury, because you have borne the shame of the heathen. In other words, the heathen were boasting, This is our land now, you don't have it. And they were boasting that they had taken it away. Therefore thus says the Lord God, I have lifted up my hand. Surely the heathen that are about you, they shall bear their shame. God said, I'm going to reverse this. But you, O mountains of Israel, you shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit to my people of Israel, for they are at hand to come. For behold, I am for you. And I will turn unto you, and you shall be tilled and sown, and I will multiply men upon you, and all the house of Israel, even all of it, and the cities shall be inhabited, and the waste shall be builded, and I will multiply upon you man and beast, and they shall increase and bring fruit, and I will settle you after your old estates, and will do better unto you than at your beginnings and you shall know that I am the Lord. Now this is the law of continuance. Listen to that. I will do better unto you than at your beginnings. What God begins with a miracle. Did he begin this nation with a miracle? The answer is yes. Did he sustain them? He sustained them and would have continued to had they not fallen into sin. But after they had suffered greatly, God said, I'm going to have mercy on them and I'm going to bring them back because God never leaves anything undone. And so he is determined to flip the script here. And that's exactly what he's going to do. Now let's look at verse 30. 
I will multiply the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field that you shall receive no more reproach of famine among the heathen. Verse 34, And the desolate land shall be tilled, where is it laid desolate in the sight of all that pass by. That's what Mark Twain said. And they shall say, This land that was desolate is become like the Garden of Eden, and the waste and desolate ruined cities are become fenced and are inhabited. God said... This land is first going to become productive as farmland. And that went on for about 100 years before the rebirth of the state, but it was the first thing to happen. I want to say something about how all this works. You know, God does supernatural things, but never forget that God is also very, very practical. One of the things that I see people doing is we say, well, God's a God of the supernatural. Yes, he is, but he's also the God of natural things. God created the laws of seed time and harvest, just like he creates miracles. And he prefers to operate by the laws of seed time and harvest. And I'll tell you why I know that. When the children of Israel came out of the land of Egypt, God had to feed them with manna supernaturally for 40 years. But when they came into the land of Canaan, where there were crops to be harvested, where there were plants to be reaped and gathered, where there were things to feed their cattle, where there was pasture for their flocks, the Bible says that the, the manna stopped coming. And so we don't see manna again in Israel's existence because God wanted them to participate in the laws of seed time and harvest. And so what you see in Ezekiel chapter 36 is God being very practical, saying, look, if I bring my people back right now, before the land is productive, before they can be fed, before there is something for them to eat, if I bring them back, they won't be able to make it. They have to have some agriculture. And so the very first part of the restoration process is the restoration of the land. This is the Law of Continuance. We'll pick up here tomorrow. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.